morning. Please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and stand with me to read God's Word. We'll be reading 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. And please be seated. We're in week four of a six-week series on what's important to us as a church. And the fancy word is values. Values. And if we're going to talk about what's important, we've got to talk about why we exist. And as a church, we exist to worship God, build up believers, and reach others for Christ. We want to become a worshiping body of biblically equipped believers who effectively reach our world for Christ or influence our world for Christ through purposeful relationships. But how we live and operate on a daily basis reveals what's truly important. As leadership, we've identified six things that are important and they correspond with the, the mission of worshiping God and building up believers and reaching others for Christ. First, there's God's word. We want to we learn and teach and obey what God says. Then there's prayer. Prayer is important because it fosters intimacy and dependence on God. And then you've got families. Now, I don't just mean mom, dad, and kids. I mean households of many uh, varieties, whether you're a single adult, a couple with or without kids, empty nest couple, blended family. We want to follow Jesus as biblically-based households. And then there's relationships, which implies People in the mix, people uh, loving each other with grace and truth. And then service to uh, serve unselfishly in God's strength. And lastly, outreach, sharing Christ's love with humility and with gentleness. Now you could sum up these values, you could sum up these six things by just simply saying God and people are important to us. We value God, we value people. And we want to do what God wants us to do. Now, the value we're looking at today is service. And in, in the New Testament, there are three primary words translated serve. The first is latruo. Now, it means to serve or to worship God. It's used in different places in the New Testament. The second one is doulos. It means to be a slave. Uh, literally to be consumed completely with the will of another. And then the, the third word is uh, Diaconeo, and it's the word that's used here in 1 Peter 4. It's where we get our English word deacon. And the idea uh, behind that word, it means to serve or to wait upon. To serve or to wait upon. And it emphasizes work that you do to help someone else. So it talks about serving. And the idea is that we serve God as we serve others. And even looking back in the Old Testament, the idea of serving is closely related to worship. 
Psalm 100, verse 2. Uh, Serve the Lord with gladness. The, Greek, uh, the, the Hebrew word is habad. And it literally means to work or to toil. But in the context, it means to worship God. And so the idea is uh, to serve God with gladness. To, to worship Him means to serve Him. Serve Him means to worship Him. So now with regard to serving, if you look at 1 Peter 4, in verses 10 and 11, some things are revealed uh, that you probably already know about serving. Some obvious things. And then there are some things revealed that you may not realize about serving. They're not so obvious. So first, I want you to notice the context, too. In chapter 4, starting at verse 7, it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. And verse 8 says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Love each other. There's the relationships again. Context is relationships. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Love looks past a multitude of sins. And then in verse 9 it says, be hospitable to one another without complaining about each other. And then we come to verse 10. Now, with, with the context of relationships in mind, let's look at what you probably already know about serving. A couple things, the obvious things, Okay. Uh, if you've been a believer for a while, you're probably familiar with these things. If you're a newer believer, these may be new to you. But the first thing is that every Christian has received a gift from God. Every Christian has received a special gift from God. Look at verse 10. As each one has received a special gift. Literally, as each one has received a, uh, a, a gift, uh, literally a grace gift. The Greek word for gift is charisma. You're familiar with that word. It literally means gracious gift or grace gift. And it emphasizes that the the gift is freely given by God. It's from God to us. Each one has received a special gift, a.k.a. a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts is what the verse is talking about. And the wording implies that the gift is freely given by God. And it also implies that it's... At least one gift. At least one gift. What is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is any talent or ability given by God, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit to use in the ministry of the church, in the body of Christ. It's something God gives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, we read these words, To each one is given... The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then in verse 11, we read, The same Spirit works all these things, giving to each one individually just as He wills. So basically, God is choosing our gifts for us. He grants them to us. He gives them to us graciously. And they're designed by God for us to use in the building up of the body of Christ. To build others up. Spiritual gifts are listed several places in the New Testament. Uh, Romans chapter 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. Now, if you go through these lists, you will make the observation that all the lists are different. Uh, not, no one gift is in every list. There is a variety. No list includes all the gifts. But each believer has one or a combination of gifts that have been specifically blended for them by God. Now, because they are gifts, 
You can't uh, put an order in for one. You can't special order one. You can't demand it. You cannot uh, choose your gift. You can't say, I really like that gift that will serve me well. I think I'll take it. Or I think I will develop it in my life. A gift from God is a gift from God. You can't demand it. You can't choose it. You can't earn it. If you're, as if you could be just good enough to get the gift that you want. You can't earn the gift. You can't in any way generate a spiritual gift. Do you know what your gift is? We recently took a survey and 25% of our congregation says they don't know what their spiritual gift is yet. Now, you could take a test to find out, but I prefer to test it out in real life. Ask a couple questions. What do you like to do? What desires has God given you? What do other people say? What have you done that uh, something good has come of within the body of Christ? What kind of fruit have you seen as a result of how God has uniquely gifted you? What are your desires? What do you do that helps others? Maybe that's your gift. There are people walking around in the Christian community who say, well, I have such and such a gift. And they're wrong. They don't have that gift. They really, really want that gift. And sometimes they'll insist, it's my gift. And the people around them are saying, you don't have the gift. (laughs) But try things. Try things. Trust God. To reveal to you and to others what your gift is or gifts. If you're a Christian, you've been given a special gift or gifts from God. Now, the next thing we see is how those gifts are to be used. Second part of verse 10 says, employ it in serving one another. As each one has has received a special gift, a grace gift from God, employ it. In serving others. God's gifts are to be used in serving other people. You receive gift from God and his purpose is to bless others. Now if you think of the context of these verses. Love for your fellow Christians is going to um, be expressed in the use of your spiritual gifts. It's not to draw attention to yourself but to benefit others. Think about the human body. Every part of the human body has a function. And each one is a specific function, a special function. Well, the body of Christ is similar. Each member in the body of Christ has a specific function. And in a gathered body of believers, there's a function that each one has that others can't fill. In 1 Peter chapter 4 here, in in verse 11, there are two broad categories, two general categories of gifts listed. Speaking gifts and serving gifts. In verse 11, look at that. It says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Wow. And whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So don't don't try to do that in your own strength. So the speaking gifts are things like preaching or teaching or uh, a word of wisdom to another, uh, a word of knowledge to another, a discernment, uh, evangelism. You could even say singing in uh, the gathered congregation or giving a testimony. Serving gifts are any kind of helping or encouraging ministry. 
directed towards those either inside or outside the church. Administration, prayer, mercy, helps, compassion. And when believers use their gifts to serve others, they minister in such a way that benefits the church. The church is built up. Spiritual gifts are for the building up of the body of Christ to help others grow closer to God. Now, you are blessed when you serve. No doubt about it. You're blessed when you serve. But that's a a secondary benefit. The primary benefit is for others. Employ your gift in serving others. So you see first that if you're a Christian, you've got a special gift from God, and that gift is to be used to serve others. And the next thing we see is that God's glory is the purpose. The, The goal of service is God's glory. Look at verse 11. The last part of verse 11 says, So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So that God would be glorified. Glorified expresses purpose. This is the purpose that God gives the gifts. God gives the gifts. We give him back glory. God grants the gift of grace and we say, Praise God. Praise God for what he has done. So the purpose of God giving the gifts and us using the gifts is to serve others and then to honor God above all. Now, that's the goal of everything in life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 31. That's the goal of everything, to give glory to God, whether then... You eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, to the honor of God, that he would get the credit, that he would become more famous, that he would be recognized as uh, preeminent and awesome and and great. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and... Verse 17, again, within the context of relationships, it says whatever, well, it speaks of, of, of Christ's word richly dwelling in us, and that we are to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The peace of Christ is to rule within us. And then in verse 17, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You drop down to verse 23. Whatever you do, do your work from your heart as for the Lord rather than for men. You're not doing it to be seen by other people. You're doing it for for God. And it says in verse 24 that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. It is God who you are serving. So as you are using your gifts in service to others, you are serving God. You're to be focused upon giving an offering to God. When people, when you serve, people are are blessed. People are encouraged. People are taught. People are counseled. People are uh, encouraged and and they are reached. They are... uh, Many good things happen as a result. And and you're blessed too. But the ultimate 
goal is that God would receive the credit. God would receive the glory. Now, when you think about spiritual gifts, it's really easy to envy other people's gifts. Gift envy is very common. Wow, look at that. Look at that gift they've got. I really want that gift. They're better than me now because they have that gift. And it's a downward spiral. But envy dies when God is praised. When we're praising God, the envy slips away. When I say, praise God that you gave that person that gift. I'm thinking now about the body of Christ and that gift being used to help others and for God's glory versus competing with that person to try to get that gift from them. (laughs) And it's also easy to create levels of worth as it relates to gifts. Um, Hierarchies of gifting. Thinking that one segment of gifts is is more valuable than others and more important than others, which creates this unhealthy measurement, this artificial measurement of godliness. Like, well, they have that gift, so they must be godlier. They have that gift, so they must be more mature. Wow, look what they can do. They must be really close to God. And that creates an artificial measurement of godliness. You think that because someone's got a special gift, that they must be godlier. Forgetting that God gave them the gift. Forgetting that it was nothing that they did to get it. You know, possessing a gift doesn't equal maturity. Getting a gift from God means God granted you something through His grace. But we glorify people for their gifts rather than glorifying God for His grace. Or sometimes we use our gifts to attract attention. We would never say it, but we kind of like the way it feels when people say, wow, thanks. Wow, you're really good. Now, does that mean that we're not supposed to thank or appreciate anybody for what they do? No. We're to appreciate and recognize those who serve. In fact, go to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5 and verse 12. And let's read. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate, you appreciate those who diligently labor among you. So we're supposed to recognize those who serve. Appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 18, Paul is speaking of the household of Stephanus. And about the work that they did. And about the rejoicing that Paul did because of their work. And here's what he said in verse 18. For they have refreshed my spirit. They have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. Acknowledge them. Point them out. 
in the assembly. So it doesn't mean that we're to not thank or appreciate those for what God enables them to do. But we need to remember to appreciate and recognize those who serve while at the same time giving praise and honor to God. I think of Grace Church. And I praise God for people who have served uh, year after year after year. I think of people uh, like uh, Alan and Carrie Weisenberger. And Carrie, who has uh, for years and years done things behind the scenes. And so has Alan, that no one ever sees, but you see the, you feel, you see the, uh, the benefit. I think of people like, like Dan Martin, uh, leading our uh, high school, being a volunteer youth pastor for 18 years. And doing more than some full-time paid youth pastors. And Matthew Holbrook, along with him. And Bob Newa doing the junior high group for so many years. And these men poured their lives out. Uh, I think of other people. I think of uh, Charlie and Sher- Sharon. And year after year after year, doing things behind the scenes and up front, leading us in worship. Many times to no thanks. I think of, of uh, guys like Bruce down here. He's got a spiritual gift. And he uses it every single week. And you may not notice. But if you had a birthday recently, you've noticed. He remembers your birthday and he calls you. And then after every service, he goes around and picks up bulletins. Because the ones that we leave on the floor, he picks them up. We recycle them. You wouldn't know unless you were around after first hour or second hour. Each one's got their part. Each one plays their part. I think about Steve Manthorne, Bud Gilbertson, Dave Baker, giving of their time every week, volunteer, to do things around here that if they weren't fixing them, we'd notice. We don't notice because they're fixed. But you think about all the people. Now, some of you have already thought, he missed me. <laughs> or you're thinking, you know, my friend who's done such and such all their life here, <laughs> can't believe he missed them. We're going to miss people. But God never does. Hebrews 6.10. Hebrews 6.10. The writer of Hebrews is, is saying that they're convinced that amongst the people he's writing to, things that accompany salvation are being evidenced. And then he says in verse 10, and God is not unjust. God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. We're going to forget. But God never forgets. God never forgets. So there's these things you probably already know about serving. God gives every believer a gift. And, and, and those gifts are to be used to, to serve others. And God's to get the glory for those gifts. God's to receive the honor. God's to receive the glory. So now let's talk about some things you may not realize about serving. The the not-so-obvious. You see, there are three significant truths that form the basis or foundation for all serving that follows. You can't get away from these truths. If you do, 
your service turns into something demanding, uh, enslaving, ugly. It becomes self-focused rather than God-focused. Now, you've probably had service go bad on you in the past at one point or another due to missing these things, which, which then affects your attitude and your mindset and your motivation. You don't try to serve God if you don't understand these things. And the first one is this, that being God's servant. See, every believer, in a sense, who, who attempts in any way to, to do whatever God has given them to do is, is declaring, I'm God's servant. I'm a servant of God. You know, I used to serve the devil, but now I serve Jesus. And, and the first thing is that being God's servant means that you are always under God's direction. You are, you're not independent contractor. Uh, you're not a lone ranger. Uh, we're always under God. He's the leader. Always the leader. We're the followers. Always the followers. Look at verse 10 again. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving others as good stewards. Good stewards. What's a steward? A steward, that, that word literally means to administer a house. It, it was a, it was, they were, a, a steward was responsible for someone else's stuff. Uh, a slave who managed a, a household or a, a property uh, and distributed wages and food and other resources that belonged to somebody else to the people within that household or, or that property. Being a steward means you manage someone else's resources. You don't own your gifts. They, they belong to God. God has given them for the church's benefit and His glory. And so good stewards use their gifts wisely. Not using your gifts weakens the church. Not using your gifts weakens the church because in, in each assembly, God has put the pieces together and if you don't do your part... The church is weakened. See, God knows more about your needs than you do. God knows more about your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions than you do. God knows more about the interrelated relationships within this congregation and within your family and out in our community than we do. He knows everything. So it stands to reason that you'd look to Him for direction that you would look to Him rather than relying upon your own understanding. As it pertains to everything, but specifically as it pertains to your part in the body. The part that God wants you to play. Verse 11, it says, uh, To whom be the glory and dominion. What's dominion? Dominion is God's strength. It's God's rule. It's... Uh, it, it, it indicates that he's the one that holds everything together. It indicates the presence and significance of God's strength. He is strong. That we are under him. He's the one who is instigating the gifts and the service. And service begins with this upward look. If you, if you want to put it this way, an upward look to God. We're, we're under him. 
We're not looking across to Him. We're not looking down. We're looking up to Him. Our eyes look to Him because whatever He gives us, that's what we're going to use. God's the giver of every good and perfect gift. We're always inferior to Him in the best possible sense. We're always dependent upon Him. Romans 11.36 ends a, a passage of Scripture and it says this, it says, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. From Him, the gifts are from Him. Through Him, the service is through Him. Uh, and to Him, the praise is to Him. The Christian service means that you place yourself before God as an offering. Not for brownie points with God, but, but to honor Him. So we're always under God's direction. That's the first thing. The second thing is that being God's servant means you're always dependent upon His resources. It's not going to happen unless He provides the resources. Look at verse 10 again. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of what? Of the manifold grace of God. Of the grace of God. God's grace is the source and the inspiration of your service. What's manifold? Not a car part. Um, it, what it means is many faceted. Uh, having different aspects or kinds. It, what it means is there is a variety of gifts and a variety of outcomes to those gifts. And it emphasizes the wide range of variety of, of gifts and outcomes that God gives and that He uh, instigates and initiates the results as the gifts are exercised. See, two believers might have the same gift. They might have the same gift, but each one's going to demonstrate it differently. Each one is going to exercise it or employ it in a slightly different way because of, of, of personality and and character traits and so on, and God knows that, and so there's a variety uh, of gifts uh, and giftings and, and outcomes. Good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Varied. Variety. Only from God. Because He's so creative. And He's so powerful. It shows how God builds up His church in a variety of ways. And He distributes his, the gifts just as He wills, and so you look to God for all your resources. Because you know you don't have any apart from Him. Apart from Him, you can do nothing. C.S. Lewis said in his classic book, Mere Christianity, every faculty you have, your power of thinking, or of moving your limbs from moment to moment, is given to you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to His service, could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. So that when we talk of a man doing anything for God or of giving anything to God, I will tell you what it is really like. It's like a small child going to his father and saying, Daddy, give me sixpence to buy you a birthday present. Well, of course, the father does, and he is pleased with the child's present. It is all very nice and proper, but only an idiot would think that the father is six pence to the good on the transaction. God is the giver. 
Look at verse 11 again. Notice how you're, you're to do what you're called to do. It says in verse 11, whoever speaks is to speak the very utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so by the strength which God supplies. What does that mean? If you speak, you should do it as one speaking the very words of God. I don't think that the words that are coming out of my mouth right now are God's words. The words that are God's words are from His Word. My words don't change into God's Word when I speak. Unless I'm speaking the Word of God. So what does it mean to to speak, as it were, the very words of God, the very utterances of God? Two ideas. It doesn't mean you claim that the words you speak are God's own words unless you're reading the Bible. But you do it with a seriousness of purpose that one would use if you were speaking God's word. Or another way to put it is those who speak must communicate God's wisdom rather than human wisdom. And the, 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 the prayer is that the words that come out of my mouth or another person's mouth would match and line up with the word of God and not contradict it. What about serving in God's strength? If, if anyone serves... He should do it with the strength that God provides. If you serve in human energy, uh, or for your status in the eyes of others, it will quickly become a burden, and it will only increase your pride rather than your faith. You're always in need of God's resources. You can't serve without His strength. There's something else that being God's servant means. It means that you are the freest person on earth. When you are God's servant, you are the freest person on earth. How so? Slavery is something that has recurred throughout history. It's it's not a good thing. It's not pleasant. In biblical times, slaves and servants were part of the context. So it is addressed. In Western culture, we have uh, done away with slavery as an institution. But we have not done away with slavery as a way of life. We still live in slavery. See, everyone wants freedom. But not many act or live free. Eugene Peterson put it this way. We live in a nation of complainers and a society of addicts. Everywhere we turn, we hear complaints. I can't spend my money the way I want. I can't spend my time the way I want. I can't be myself. I'm under the control of others all the time. And everywhere we meet the addicts. Addiction to alcohol and drugs, to compulsive work habits, and to obsessive consumption. We trade masters, and we stay enslaved. The Christian, he says, is a person who recognizes that our real problem is not in achieving freedom, but in learning service under a better master. Learning service under a better master. 
The Christian, he says, realizes that every relationship that excludes God becomes oppressive. See, anything you or I put in God's place enslaves us, entraps us, ruins us. Peter wraps up this section with words of praise. Look at the end of verse 11. He says that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So let it be. He knew Jesus Christ on earth as a man. And now he writes words of praise to him who is also fully God. Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, Jesus said, if the Son shall set you free, if the Son shall make you free, if the Son shall put you in the realm of freedom, you will be free indeed. You shall be free. God frees us in Christ. But sometimes we waste our freedom. And it results in worse slavery than before. It's like Peter when he denied Jesus. Went into a downward spiral. Thought he was no use to to Jesus anymore. Jesus came along and picked him up and dusted him off and, and recommissioned him for service. And then you hear him Boldly speaking out in the name of Jesus. Uh, If that's you and you're thinking God can't use you. uh, That you can't serve him because you feel so bad about your actions or your attitudes or your thoughts. Remember this. God is with you right now. And you have his full attention. You have his full attention. Talk to him about it. Confess it to him. Whatever it is that's choking the way between you and him. It's stopping up the service flow. See, Jesus wants to free you up to serve him once again. Or to start serving him. And he's the one to go to when you're in need. No other place. See, in 1 Peter 4.10, there's this word for serve. I mentioned it before. It's uh, diakoneo, and it originally meant to be a waiter, to wait tables. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 26, If anyone serves me, same word, diakoneo, whoever, one, whoever is a waiter to me, must, he must follow me. And then he says, if anyone serves Same word, anyone who waits upon me or attends to me, my Father will honor him. See, freedom in Christ is the freedom to wait upon the Lord. To wait upon him for what he's going to give us. What he's going to fill our hands with. And how he's going to work through us. It's the freedom to do that. You're the freest person on earth if you're a Christian because you don't have to be enslaved. You're free to do what God calls you to do. To 
to live for the sake of God and your neighbor. It's an opportunity to live for God's joyful best. Being a bondservant of Christ. Learning how to use your freedom under His Lordship. That's what it's all about. It's really about God working in and through you. We gave you a little piece of PVC. You've been wondering all hour, what's it for? And I know some of you are very creative and you've come up with a bunch of different ideas. Well, here, here it is. It's, it's like this. It's kind of like we're like this, this little elbow. And, and God works through us to bless others. We're merely the, the conduit for His grace and His mercy and His love and His compassion. We're not responsible for the work. God is. He's sovereign. He's in control. We're, we're just responsible for the faithfulness part. It says in 1 Corinthians that it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. Just to wait. Just to wait for God to fill us and then bless others through us. So we're like this elbow. Just waiting. Ready. Available. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Isaiah 6. You're a conduit of God's love. You're not responsible for the results. And as his conduit, wait upon him. Wait upon him for marching orders. He's good. He'll give you good ones. He's responsible for the work. He oversees it all. And he will enable you to do what what you were made to do. Let's pray together. Lord God, we come to you and we... We praise you. We want, we want to follow what the word says. And it says that in all things that you'd be praised. And that you'd be glorified. And so we praise you. Lord, we don't want to stress out over our gifts about what they might be. We don't want to uh, neglect those gifts either. But we just want to let it flow. We just want to allow you to flow through us. So here we are, Lord. We ask for your will to be done. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.